Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to Savvy Business, Life Unscripted, with your host, Christina Rivera, where our guests share their wisdom and valuable business tips, empowering our audience to expand their personal potential. I'm Natalie Boyle. Welcome to Savvy Broadcasting, Life Unscripted. I am so grateful to have you here this wonderful uh, weekend and uh, rainy where we are. I don't know how it is where you are. but um, It's uh, a little overcast. It's actually nice and cool. So we're, we're good. We're in ta- Dallas, Texas. Oh, okay. So we're not too far. We're in spring, Texas. So boom. Yeah, but I'm grateful to have you here. And I know a lot of our listeners, when they find out what you're all about, are going to be super excited to have you share your journey as well, um, because you created uh, Mommies in Need and uh, a very helpful service for parents struggling out there. And as we just said, prior to the hitting the go button during COVID, even more so having to deal with most families, having two working parents and then having to deal with the kids at home and help them with their homework. And oh my gosh, how do I get work done? So uh, you are the CEO and founder of Mommies in Need, but I'd love for you to just share how that came about. How did you create it and why? Yeah. So um, it comes from a really personal place and a personal story. Um, I am a mom to twin girls. They're 11 years old now. Um, But really from the time they were born until they were about three, I went through a series of pretty horrible health issues. Mm -hmm. Um, I had to have an emergency hysterectomy. I had my colon removed, which is very elaborate procedure, as you can imagine. Mm. And I also had thyroid cancer. So three completely separated things that occurred. Um, So all in, I had about six surgeries in the first year, three years of my kids' lives. Mm. And so that was obviously really, really hard. And, um, but at, at the same time that I was struggling through that, I started to recognize that I was actually one of the lucky ones because I lived near my family. Um, mm. my in-laws are retired and they could come and take care of the kids. 
we could afford to hire a babysitter or a nanny when we needed one to kind of fill in the gaps. Mm -hmm. And I started thinking about, well, what do people do if they don't have access to those same resources? Right. Mm -hmm. And so while that was kind of starting to kick around in the back of my brain, um, I was kind of just out of recovery. And so I didn't need my nanny anymore. And she had asked me, Hey, if you know any families, please refer me. I, you know, I'm looking for work. Um, and about that time, I got a call from a friend of mine who had been diagnosed with colon cancer. Um, mm-hmm. She was 34, colon cancer, and had a two and a four-year-old. Um, and so she called me and we were just, you know, asked me to come to the hospital and just kind of commiserating, you know, how mm-hmm. many people do you know in their 30s that don't have colon? Um, so, you know, we kind of shared around that. And she told me that, you know, her mom was able to be in town for the six weeks of her radiation, but she was now going to have to have six months of chemotherapy and her mom lived in a different state. She wasn't going to be able to stay. Mm -hmm. Um, I said, well, you know, I have a nanny who needs work. And Mm -hmm. my friend, Annie, she just said, you know, well, we can't really afford that. She was a stay at home mom. um, And that's, you know, a lot of people and where, where a lot of people don't realize that this really affects families is those families that are doing just fine, but they live on one income because one parent has chosen to stay at home Mm -hmm. at a financial sacrifice to the family to be there for the kids. Right. And, um, and then once you start adding medical bills and all of those things, and the parent doesn't qualify for any kind of disability because they weren't working. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she started explaining all of that to me and she said, you know, I'll just have a friend watch my kid on chemo days and I'll do it myself the rest of the time. Mm. And I just remember thinking, absolutely not. I do not want you to have to do that. I don't want anyone to have to do that. And we got to do something about this. So I said, okay, well, here's, here's what we'll do. My, my nanny's free. She's great. We'll just send her to you and we'll go to like our church group and our mom's group and our, you know, all of those things and just get people to kick in money to help pay for it. So we started a crowdfunding campaign and I was overwhelmed by the generosity that people had to support, to support Annie. Um, and in fact, we very quickly had about $10,000 raised, which was, I mean, our goal when we started was, was $1,200 so that we could pay for two weeks of childcare just to give her a little bit of a break. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we had more than $10,000 raised. Um, and at that point, my husband, who is relentlessly practical and in finance was like, you cannot just have money sitting in a bank account and like tell people you're doing good things with it. Um, so I got a 501c and incorporated and we started finding other people in the community that needed the resources and hiring more nannies and all of that kind of thing. Um, and so that really was the start of what we call our in-home program. Um, that's where we send a nanny into a client family home up, up to six months, uh, for no cost at all, full time, same nanny the whole time, um, entirely paid for by philanthropy, by people being generous and donating. Mm -hmm. And, um, and really, you know, the first five years, that was, that was our one and only program. And through that, um, we had provided, you know, more than 20,000 hours of free childcare to about 75 families. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I'll, I'll pause there if you have any questions and then kind of go to how we, where we are now, which is in this incredible phase of growth with kind of a whole nother program in addition to the in-home. Wow. This, this is amazing, Natalie. Um, what brings to mind too? Uh, yeah, there, there might be that one family working person who now said, okay, these things have come up and we just can't afford it. But even more so, uh, especially near some cities that are maybe costly, there's two families working and, and then you have to worry, even if you get disability, which is usually at a reduced rate, the, the stress with, I have to go back to work. I don't want to lose my job, but you know, we need this income, but now I got to pay for a nanny too. Uh, you know, there are just so many families for whatever varying reasons who can 
really yeah. use this service. And, you know, it's interesting. I don't know if you heard about this, but, but, and France, they had had as part of their, yeah, I, I, I see you shaking your head. You probably know that when you have a baby, the first year they, they hire the government, send you a nanny to help out, especially if you're a new parent, cause you don't know what to do. And I, I thought that was such a great idea. And yeah. And then young kids have free preschool and, you know, it, it's something that's done a lot of places. And unfortunately, you know, we, I sort of fell into this, into this job. Right. But, um, but what we started recognizing is that childcare in the U S is just at a crisis level. Mm. It's, it's not well provided for. Um, the models are very hard. It's very hard for providers to give low cost childcare, even if they wanted to, yeah. because the reimbursement rates from the government for lower income families are almost impossible to operate on. Mm -hmm. So then you're ha wind up charging families and it's really unaffordable for a lot of people. And so, yeah, and we'll get into a little bit kind of what we're doing on that front. Um, but yeah, just to kind of you know, tell yeah. you sort of where, where the Annie's place at Parkland, where this, this piece came from was really what you were talking about, about the different kinds of families have different needs. And what we found is number one, the in-home program is great, but to qualify for it, you have to be completely disabled by, by something, right? Cancer, a car accident, you know, mm -hmm. a stroke or a liver transplant, whatever it is. Right. Um, but there are a lot of people who don't need that intensive care, but they can't get to their doctor's appointments because they don't have a place for their kids, right? So mm -hmm. even if that's just kind of regular general doctor's appointments or maintaining health or getting dialysis or things like that, where it's just once every certain period of time, but you still can't get the childcare for it. And then the other piece, so, you know, to scale um, with the in-home, it's very expensive per family because each family requires their own, an entirely another nanny employee of the company. Um, and the other piece that was really the part that broke my heart was that we had to say no to families because they didn't have stable housing or mm -hmm. because seven family members all lived in the same one bedroom apartment or mm -hmm. things where it wasn't safe or practical for us to send a nanny into their home. And mm -hmm. so we started ideating around, well, what about a childcare center? And um, I had a board member who uh, who just got me thinking about, well, what if we put a childcare center at a hospital. And, it, and we got introduced to the chief innovations officer at Parkland Hospital, which in Dallas is the safety net hospital. So it's oh. the only the only county hospital that it, you know has a mandate to take all in need. Um, it's mm. you know 90% uninsured, underinsured Medicaid. <clears throat> and so, you know, so we started talking to them and um and really presenting this idea about could you put a child care in a hospital to care for patients? Mm -hmm. And so they did some research and discovered that. No one had ever done that before. And it seems like common sense, but it it's just not. And um, and so there are there are hospitals that have childcare for employees, but for patients to come and use the childcare center so that they can get to their appointments was this very novel idea. So we started working on it and um it took us a couple years, but we were ready to open in November of 2020, um, which as we talked about before was just a, a wild time to try to open a childcare center. Um, but we discovered that it was just so necessary. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we had the building and, um, and it was just, it was ready and people needed it. And so mm -hmm. we opened our doors. Um, at the beginning, we were like one child per room, right? <laughs> we were extreme social distancing. Uh, but the families that were using it were those families that had no other options, right? Mm -hmm. 
And the, what happened is the, the hospitals had to fully lock down. So what they had done previously is even though there's a policy that children aren't allowed at certain appointments, they had let them come in. If the parent, you know, really couldn't get care, they could hold their baby. They could do that. Yeah. Once it came, it was an absolute hard line, no children in the building. And mm-hmm. so because of that, you know, people weren't getting, and, and, you know, they had shut down most routine care. This was, you know, our cancer families. This mm-hmm. was those things that you cannot, you have to do on a schedule regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so yeah. And that's when we kind of started getting some other requests that made us kind of think about our mission. Cause at, at the beginning, it was really about, you know, in-home care. And then yeah. we opened this childcare center. And as I mentioned, we kind of realized that it wasn't just about crisis care because preventative care was, especially when we started serving low-income families, we saw that they were getting diagnosed at a stage four instead of a stage two because they didn't make it to those preventative type appointments. They didn't mm-hmm. come to get mammograms as often because it was just so many more barriers. Mm-hmm. And so we sort of opened it to kind of preventative care as well, all types of appointments. Um, but then, you know, a few months into being open, we got a call from the NICU. And they said, our um, our parent visitation rates have dropped by about 40% because no siblings were allowed in the building anymore. Uh-huh. So if you have a baby in the NICU and you have a two-year-old, you can't, and you don't have a place to leave your two-year-old, you're not spending those vital hours with your baby in the NICU. Now, can so- I stop you right there? And is that, uh, Natalie, is that because um, the COVID thing at the time that they did that because they didn't want kids in there or is that just always how it was? So in NICU? It, they did it because of COVID um, because yeah. mostly in the NICU, those babies are so fragile medically that if they got mm. something, they, they might not survive it. Mm. Um, but in NICUs, the policy has kind of stuck around in more than it has in other places. And it's mm. just because of, they're so fragile. Um, and so, you know, they, they really uh, discourage small children who, as I, as the mother of small children know, they are a germ factory. I know. Right? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but to, to come in and, and risk those, those very fragile little babies. Mm. Um, and so now we have a fantastic partnership with the NICU. So we have, um, and we'll even have so one thing that's very unique about our child care center is we accept patients from birth. We accept kids from the time they're born. Our, our youngest baby has been two days old. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Um, mm. Most childcare centers won't take children until they're six weeks, just mm. because of how fragile they are. They really need one-to-one attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we know we have a newborn, we'll just hire an additional staff that day so that we can give the one-to-one attention. Mm. Um, we have actually, we have right now uh, in our center that's coming almost every day is a 
twin. So it's a, a one week old baby, oh. but the baby's twin is still in the NICU. Oh. And that happens a lot where one twin graduates before the other. And then of course, mom, you want to be in there with the baby that's sick, but you got to take mm. care of the other one. So we take care of all of that for our families that's now awesome. um, and are able to really kind of build that, that relationship with them. And so, um, you know, our childcare center, uh, we see about 25 to 30 kids a day. It's called mm. Annie place at Parkland, which is named mm. after my friend. Um, mm. Unfortunately, she had a recurrence and passed away mm. um, right about the time we were trying to discover what to name this. And it just, yeah. it, you know, we worked with her family and it was just the right, awesome. just the right thing to honor her. Mm. Um, and, and yeah. And so we just kind of kept, kept seeing what the need was and meeting that need. And mm. the other need that we discovered was for hospital staff. And particularly for those, hmm. you know, frontline staff who the techs, the janitorial services, the, hmm. you know, nurse assistants, the, all of those things for which, you know, childcare is outrageously expensive. Hmm. Um, and they, they couldn't, you know, so we had clinics contact us and say, Hey, we don't, we're not going to have to sh- shut this clinic down, especially when we were in COVID height times, because they just didn't have the staff. Um, and so we started doing backup care for our first responders. And through that, we kind of came to our new mission statement, which is a little bit more holistic. It's caring for kids so families can access healthcare. So it's really about mm-hmm. healthcare, equitable healthcare access by mm-hmm. providing childcare. And we really decided that hospital staff is a vital part of, of, of healthcare access. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with that, we are in the middle right now. So with Annie's place of Parkland, which has been open since November, 2020, we're in the middle of a construction project right now to double the size of that center and use the other half of the building to be a full-time childcare for hospital employees with a particular focus on those lower income jobs so that mm-hmm. we're really getting those childcare spots to the people who need it the very most. Mm-hmm. And looking at that as a way, and I'm sure you've read articles or seen things about, you know, the turnover for those, those lower income jobs at hospitals is really bad. It's very hard for them to recruit. It's very hard for them to retain. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're trying to do our little part to help, help balance that and make sure that patients are getting really good quality of care because there are people there who can take care of them. Um, And so that's sort of, that's sort of the comprehensive model that we are now using to try and, um, and expand to other places and say, this is a model that works and it can really serve a lot of families. And so we are, you know, we're, we're currently working on a second location, hopefully soon to be announced. Um, We're in talks with other potential hospital partners. Mm -hmm. Um, We really think that this is something that, you know, it is mm-hmm. a solvable problem, which yeah. is something you don't find very often. And if every hospital had a child care center for patients, then mm-hmm. no one would ever miss an appointment because they didn't have child care. Yeah. And that's what we want to do is we want to help advocate for this as an issue so that people can start looking at it and seeing that, you know, there's, there's a solution and, and we're trying to help uh, people connect to that. Yeah, I, I man, I love the mission that you're doing and the work you're doing. Um, I'm hoping uh, the listeners will begin to explore because here's one positive blessing that came out of the whole COVID thing I heard from people is I got to know my kid again. Um, you know, it was hard having your kid there 24 seven and also depending on their ages and everything. But, you know, sometimes we're so busy uh, as parents, you go to work, you come home, help them with the dinner. Blah, blah, blah. It's like you're go, 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 go. The relationship building and the connection with your kids are sometimes lost, which I heard from a lot of parents. They were able to recoup again and build those connections and relationships deeper 
Um, so that's a good thing. And and as well, I think it brought to the forefront, I heard from employees that they began to realize how important childcare was and that sure. parents having that connection with kids, how important, because I heard more employees going, oh yeah, do you need to do that with your kid? Go for it. Whereas before it's like, what, you're leaving? Your kid has 104 degree fever. So what? You got this report yes. to do. And <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, what? What's the disconnect? So I, I'm really grateful the work you're doing uh, with Mommy's in Need and Annie's uh, place that it began to bring... Hmm, open people's eyes to the importance of our children. They're the next generation. So we really have to take care of our kids and realize the importance of giving the parents the tools they need so that kids can grow up as healthy as possible. Right. And and the key focus as well is on making sure it's quality care that they're getting. Yeah. Right. And so that's something that we focus on a ton um, because of the way our center operates and the fact that we have different kids every day. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of kids are in trauma situations because of their mm-hmm. parents being sick. Um, we have a full-time play therapist on staff. So mm-hmm. they're able to work with the children that are having a difficult time. Um, we train every single teacher in trauma-informed care. We, we make sure that we have um, really good resources, keep our ratios low. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as you were talking about, you know, parents and, and how you can get disconnected because mm-hmm. of, of work, I think that, you know, the, what we're modeling at hospitals could be used at any company. And I will tell mm-hmm. you the benefit of having an onsite childcare, especially when you think about how, when you talk about workforce issues, mm-hmm. a ton of those are caused by women leaving the workforce because it no longer financially makes sense for their families, for them to work. Or, you know, or they can't find childcare or they're coming back from maternity leave. And right now there's a crisis in baby spots. There just aren't, there are way more babies than there are spots in mm. at least in Dallas. And so of saying, okay, well, well, what could an employer do? And when you talk about when we have the, the full-time center open, if you're coming back from maternity leave, you can go f- come feed your baby on your lunch break because it's yeah. just you know, a a building over, you can come and be that mystery reader in the afternoon to do activities with the kids. You can, Mm -hmm. you know, it really does build a community. And Mm -hmm. so I I think in addition to wanting to advocate it for hospitals, I really try to say to the business community, first of all, it's good business. You increase your retaining, your retention, everything else. Um, But second of all, it builds a culture and a community where people actually want to stay and they see that you value them as a person. And um, and I think that's so vital, especially for, you know, the, the younger generation that's coming up right now. Yeah, I I love this, Natalie. And one thing I'll also add is I did see during COVID how possible it was for not all jobs, but for a good many, there are office um, centric jobs that hey, who's the best person to look after your kid but you? So if you were able during COVID to stay home and do your job effectively, I think employers should really look to keeping that model where those particular parents stay home with their kids and do their job. Um, they save in gas time and they're with their children and and less cost for the business uh, on the back end as far as less child care services if they go that route as well. Um, uh, because I see a lot of businesses now going, oh, back to normal, come back to the office. I'm like, what? Dude, they were at home for three Mm -hmm. years. Everything worked just fine. Why now the rush to bring these office workers, not people that are on assembly line that need to be there physically, but office workers must be at desk. Why? Well, I I don't get that. You know, when you said, I I think that it's so important. I think you're, you're absolutely right. I think businesses benefit from hybrid, but unfortunately a lot of lower wage jobs are the ones that you cannot work from home. Mm. And they're, they're typically, you know, 
on-site services. And so because of that, there's this essential, like that contributes to the inequality because you're, first of all, you're getting paid less and then you can't work from, there's no chance to work from home. And so, um, so that's why I think it, it, you know, if, if employers really start looking at it and, you know, a hospital is a great example. Nobody at the hospital can work from home. I mean, maybe there's a little bit of telemedicine and some administrative jobs, but I mean, if you're a tech and your job is to take people's blood pressure, well, you've got to be at the hospital, right? Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, I I think, I think that you're absolutely right. I think companies need to be flexible and they need to look at their different kinds of employees and try to find solutions that work for these different different groups. Yeah. I love that. I love that. You know, cause it's a by case by case basis, like there are specific jobs, like you're mentioning and you know, that need to be there, um, physically because you can't take people's uh, blood over zoom. It's kind of, kind of hard, <laughs> but yeah, I love the work you're doing. And I love the fact that it's a model that other employers can use as well. Look at that. Now, where can people find out more about you donate? Sure. Cause I'm guessing all of these, um, services, including Annie's place is still, uh, it's all philanthropy. Yeah. Great. So How can we- they donate and all that and find out more? Yes, please. Um, so yeah, we are always looking for, um, uh, first financial assistance. If you want to donate, that's wonderful. Um, you can do that through our website. It's mommiesinneed.org. Um, and there you can also, if you live in the Dallas area, find volunteer opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, we do a lot of, uh, so we, we try to make sure there's no barrier to care for anyone. So we provide all the kids diapers, wipes, formula, mm-hmm. um, changes of clothes, toys. Um, and because we serve a lot of lower income families, we are able to kind of put up a take what you need shelf and also help provide food and, you know, additional supplies that the families might need. Um, so if somebody wants to do a supply drive and donate, um, there's also, if you go to our website, you can see our Amazon wish list. So if, you know, instead of sending money, you want to buy us some things that we need for the center, you're welcome mm. to do that as well. And so, um, yeah, I, I, the website is where you can find all of it. Um, it's also where you can find my information. I love doing what we're doing here and talking about it, spread the word of what we're doing. Um, and so if you're looking to, um, you know, connect personally with me about talking to a group or something like that, we can, we can do that as well. I love this because a lot of our audience, of course, are business owners. They uh, give to charities and this is one a charity philanthropy that is right up your alley. A number of the businesses I work with are also women owned. So they get it. They they have children of their own or a lot of their employees do. So this is the perfect thing for us all to get on the wagon for because this affects everyone, whether you're in Dallas or not. Um, you can also look into your area and getting a center like this set up either at the hospital or at your very own um, place where you work. Um, yeah, this is great. Thank you so much, Natalie uh, Boyle, for all the wonderful work you're doing at Mommies in Need. And I thank you for coming to Savvy Broadcasting. But let everyone know, again, your website and where they can find out more about you. Yes, you can go to Mommies in Need. That's M-O-M-M-I-E-S-I-N-N-E-E-D dot org. And I'm Natalie Boyle. I'm the CEO and founder. And you can find contact information to reach me there as well. Awesome. Everyone go to Mommies in Need. Look that up. uh, Donate today. Uh, It's a very uh, needed cause. And I thank you again, Natalie, for coming to Savvy Broadcasting. Thank you. You betcha. Like, subscribe, and share this episode. To listen to more Savvy episodes and Savvy Biz Tips, go to www.lifeunscriptedradio.com. To find out about our paid sponsorship opportunities or how to become a guest, email Christina at lifeunscriptedradio.com.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.